everyone. Welcome to another episode of 12 Million. I am Darren Jenkins and I'm joined with by my co-host Akbar Majeed. What's going on, Akbar? What's good, Darren? What's good? What's good? What's good is that we have somebody who I am kind of geeking out about a little bit right here. Um, our guest today is Jasmia Horn. Uh, in the two years since Jasmia Horn released the Grammy Award nominated A Social Call, she has launched international tours, led masterclasses and workshops globally, and continued to hone her vocal skills while writing a personal relevance and social message. Um, Jasmia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Brother Jenkins, and thanks both of you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. So where did it all start, all come from? I mean, you know, just where did it all start? Um, my mother sang. My mother sings currently. Um, I was raised in a missionary Baptist church in Dallas, where I'm from. Mm. My granddaddy is the pastor of that church. And my father was before he, he passed last year, but he was the musical director. Um, and he, my grandmother was the musical director until she passed in 2012. And then my, um, I'm sorry, in 2002, I was 12 years old. And then my father took over um, from that time until his passing of last year. Mm. So my family is very music oriented. Um Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, New Year's, we're at the house harmonizing and singing around the, the table. You know, that's the type of family um, that I grew up with and everybody can sing. So, mm. you know, I may be, I guess, so to speak, um, the spokesperson for my family in the industry, specifically the jazz industry, but everybody is very talented, extremely talented in my family. So I grew up being cultivated in that in the church 24 seven, never allowed to go anywhere else. You know, if it wasn't church, it was school or home or some fellowship function that we had. Um, and so when I was about three years old, my mother and father said, listen, you are old enough now. You're going to have to learn and participate in the church in some kind of way. Um, so they let me usher on the deacon board for a while. They have like a little children's deacon board. Um, they let me help with Sunday school lessons. Everything that they helped, they allowed me to do. I didn't like doing except for joining the choir. When I joined the choir, they had a hard time shutting me up. I was singing everybody's parts, you know, doing everything that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Um, and, you know, my grandmother had to explain to me, I know you know all these parts, but just pick one. And that's the only part you're going to sing. Um, so from an early age, I, I was really good with following directions. But also my ears were so big. They were so big. I could hear everything. Um, and so from there, it just, it you know, it just expanded in in elementary school i was in the choirs there um in the cathedrals um me, my brother my brothers and i have two brothers they're both younger uh, but my middle brother and i ended up going to the same high school because it was a performing arts high school and six of my cousins ended up going there as well wow. we're all about the same age wow. um so it wasn't until my time in high school so in in my high school career i had two different experiences freshman and sophomore year was at a public school 
that had no access to different programs and things that they have out there for artists and for musicians at a young age. For example, the National Foundation for the Advancement of the Arts, Mm. the Thelonious Monk Institute, the Sarah Vaughn Competition, uh, the Betty Carter Jazz Ahead Awards Program, uh, the Jazz at Kennedy Center, all of these different things, IAJE, which doesn't exist anymore. None of those things were were, um, available in the urban community, which is where I grow up. We were kind of poor. We didn't have our, our church was a very small church. Um, for a while, there was no drums involved. It was just hymnals and voices and piano. Um, so very, very Southern Baptist, but very old school as well. And um, so I learned I learned to play the drums because my father started playing the, the drums in the church. And that kind of moved on to school. When I got to, to high school, specifically the, the junior high, I'm sorry, the um, public high school, I started playing the drums and I started playing trumpet in the big, in the marching band. But I didn't like it. I loved playing the drums, but trumpet was, you know, it was just too much. The people with egos and attitudes, it it just affected me a a specific way. I didn't want to do that. Um, And so I I auditioned and I asked my parents, please, can I go to the performing arts school, please? And they said no. And they said no every time. And so I would sneak and audition and sneak and audition. And the first two times I did not get in, um, which is why I started going to the public school. Mm. And then... um, um, that that last year I auditioned and my my aunt knew that I auditioned because she took me, my mother's sister, and she was like, let that girl sing. She wants to sing. You can't get mad. Let her sing, you know? Um, and so I, I got in. My mother was very upset. And so, you know, she, you know, she said to me, I wanted you to be a doctor or a lawyer or do something that was going to make you money. I tried this route, you know, and, you know, what I wasn't very successful. I just want you to be successful. It's not that I don't want you to sing. I want you to be successful. I said, Mom, we just got to trust God. Let's just trust God and do it. My name is Jazz Mia Horn. Like, there has to be something for me to do in this jazz music. Let's just trust the most high and keep going. You know, she she kind of got weary about it. She wasn't very excited but from the time that I got into this school things just went I mean there were people in the community asking me to come and sing at their programs for church or at their programs for graduation or at their pro there's so many different things pertaining to my craft that showed my mother hey actually I'm still God and I still ordained this child to do whatever mm-hmm. she's she's going to do um yeah. So trust me, you know, in my mother's faith, you know, it, it got a lot stronger. So she started allowing me to do things. I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> so um, I started doing a bunch of different stuff. And I had a teacher who introduced me to jazz. He was like, okay, wait a minute. So your name is Jazz Mia. Right. And you know nothing about this music. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I know everything about gospel. John P. Key, uh, Yolanda Adams. Yeah whoever, all these different people, Mississippi Mass, and I know nothing about jazz. And so he gave me this CD, had about 30 different songs on it. And I transcribed every single song on that album. Every wow. song. I remember it. I remembered it note for note. And it took me about two weeks to do that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? You know, that's when he really noticed that I had a gift. And I started to cultivate my career in jazz. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, it's funny because I love how... Um, Church, you know, church always like it inspires so much creativity and music. Like when you've like, I also had to sing in gospel choir, and when I was growing up, and I went to Catholic school, went sing gospel choir there, and so many great careers are just 
can attribute gospel music as their start. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because it's like they all they don't it's not like they stayed in gospel. They branched out to all these different types of music, which uh, I find fa- well fascinating. And um, you know, it just helps to diversify the, the kind of creativity that happens within each of those genres, you know? Um, and, and to be honest, I was listening to your album and you can feel some of the gospel in you as you sing. It's, 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 um, you, you're just so unique. You have a lot of different influences in your music. So speaking of that, was there one particular artist or a certain artist that inspired you or kind of pushed you into the jazz kind of artistry piece or kind of what was that inspiration? Uh, there were three. From that album, there was the first song on the album was entitled Shulia Bop by Sarah Vaughn. Mm-hmm. When I heard her, I was like, wow. I feel like I've always felt that my speaking voice is a little bit lower than the average woman's speaking voice. Um, and so I've, I've always felt like I've had a, a deep voice, um, not only in singing, but just, you know, not only in speaking, but in singing as well. And, and in some cases, I was made fun of for that, you know, so I was always self-conscious of, about that and about myself in particular. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard, you know, Sarah Vaughn sing, I fell in love and I was like, oh, I can be myself. Oh, this is amazing. You know, it gave me a confident, a confidence about myself that, um, that I didn't even know existed. So she was the very first. And then after listening to a lot of a Sarah Vaughn, I kind of, you know, I won the Sarah Vaughn competition and everybody wow. kept saying, you you're doing a lot of Sarah Vaughn and that's beautiful because you found someone who you can build your foundation on. You found, you know, that one person that has inspired you, but we really want to hear you. You know, you can do all of sassy stuff, but who are you? And I was like, I don't really know. I just like her because of her sound. Um, And so I had a friend of mine that said, well, why don't you, you have a high range too. You have a very high range. Why don't you check out some Rochelle Pharrell? Mm, Yes. I got like, (laughs) yes. Like, man, I know, like, I have no idols before the most high, but that lady right there. Yeah. Listen, that lady right there, just everything about her, her spirit, the way she plays for herself, the way she conducts her band, her personality, um, the feel, her phrasing, her tonality, just her storytelling. I mean, I can say we could could have a whole... um, talk just about her in general we can yes, we can. Flowers yes. talking about I, I would be okay with that <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how much I love Rochelle for real and that's how much she has inspired me to be the artist that I am today I, I would not be who I am today if it had not been me hearing and and, and seeing and understanding what her artistry or trying to understand at least um a lot about her artistry and i i went through her songs actually a lot of her songs were were utilized in my life at a time when i had to forgive people forgive myself because a lot of her music talks about forgiving forgiving and healing Mm -hmm. um and so that also it, it wasn't just the music and just seeing her like in the industry as a black woman as a woman it was also what her music is about and what her message is about that really spoke volumes to me and just helped me to get through so many different things in my life. And I'm very grateful um, for her. So she's the second person. Mm. 
And then the third one is Betty Carter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When I found out who Betty Carter was, I think I was like 22, maybe 23 years old. This was right before I had won. Uh, no, no, no. Because I went to the Betty Carter Jazz Hit program at, at 23. So I think I was 22. Mm. And this was maybe right after I won the Sarah Vaughn competition. Um and I just, I got hooked. I did the same thing that I did when I met Sarah Vaughn. Re- Listen to all of her songs, try to record and sing all of her songs and mimic all her whole entire style. Mm. But having those three as a pillar for me really helped me to be able to do so many different things. Sassy taught me that raspy is okay. Sassy is okay. Low register is okay. All of that personality and sass that I have as an individual is okay. Um, Rochelle Farrell taught me that I can still be true to my roots and be who I am as a person, no matter what's happening in society. Um, And I can also utilize my gospel background and bring that into my artistry as well. I don't have to be afraid of that. And Betty Carter taught me music and really understanding what it means to be an author and a composer and a writer and an arranger, but also how to conduct the band, how to treat my musicians, how to pick my musicians, what it means to have a reverence for the music, but also honor the generation that's coming after you. Because she was really good about um, finding talent in young musicians and saying okay, cool, you come on the road with me because there's something that I can teach you, but also something that that I can learn from you as well. Mm-hmm. And then when you learn everything and when I've learned everything, you go on so that the next person can, that's just amazing. That's mm-hmm. a mother, you know, that's yeah. a divine mother right there. Mm-hmm. So um, those three women have been like the pillars of my inspiration is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. And I can see all three of them in you yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, Dan, you had... Um, I have my question, I guess, is um, so you talked a little bit about, you know, we know you're a vocalist, but as a composer, what what are some of the challenges that you that you come across when you're trying to trying to fit all of these personal pieces of your of your music personality together? Like what what goes into kind of composing different pieces to allow you to be? To, to include some of the gospel and some of these artists that you enjoy kind of, you know, um, paying homage to? Um, I don't really have a, it's not, it's not difficult for me. I will say that, that part, that piece, it hasn't been difficult. Um, the challenging thing is, is the me- is more so the message than, mm-hmm. than the, music. the music comes and it's there. And I'm like, Ooh, it's great. It's just the message. How I say what I want to say has been the most difficult part mm. because I don't want to step on any anyone's um, feet or hurt anybody's feelings or yuck anybody's yum. But I also have to stand firm in what it is that I believe in as an individual. Right. And I also have to make sure that what I say is going to be clear enough to where people can understand me and still get a message. And then the responsibility of having children so that whatever it is that I do, they can also say, my mother did this properly. My mother did this right. You know, my mother didn't have her behind out and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I, You know, I have children and they're there. They will be women one day. They are young ladies, but they will be women one day. Um, so that's always in mind. How do I say what I need to say? to where everybody can understand, right? Um, My grandmother always said, you are responsible for the generation before you and the generation after you. That means my mother, there are certain things that I even have to teach her. Um, It might not be things in life, but for example, how to run her Instagram if she has a business. 
right? You know, there are certain things that right. certain generations can learn from one another. Yeah. Um, and then there are things that she has experienced as a mother, as a black woman, as a woman that I have not experienced. Obviously, that will help me. But then also the generation after me, my children, I have to teach them everything. So how do I speak in my music to my mother's generation and to my children's generation, even though I'm not a part of either of those generations. So that in particular has been the challenge for me, mm-hmm. not necessarily the music. When it comes to the music, I just think I use themes. I just think about a, a specific person and then I'll write around how that, that sound or that feeling might make one feel and then relate it to make that relatable to my audience. Or if I'm composing um, or if I'm arranging something, for example, uh, I really like uh, Kurt Franklin and I grew up on his music. So my arrangement of up, up above my head is kind of a mixture of his arrangement, but then I kind of move it into a, a jazz idiom, you know, type of vibe. And people are like, this is great because I grew up on this or, you know, I never heard this version, but now that I've heard your version, I can go back and check his. And I think it's cool too. So that's what I mean by reaching forward and backward at the same time. To making things hip to where everybody can relate to it and everybody's, you know, it feeds everybody, not just yeah. one specific um, audience or view. Right. And, you know, that's that comes with with um, experiencing the more that I perform, the more that I get this music into my system, into my belly, the more inspiration that I will draw from different audience, uh, from different um artists and be able to teach different audiences through my music or share with different audiences through my music and that's really what I'm looking forward to I'm really excited about getting back on the road I hope that can that can happen soon you know meeting people definitely um imperative for my development well I think artists like yourself is what makes me miss live music true definitely because it is definitely like there's nothing like going to a live jazz performance of someone that you really enjoy it's just such a it's it's, it's just well, I, I got introduced to jazz in high school as well i was my spring like our school had this thing called spring phase and what you could do is you could choose one class to take all of spring and i chose jazz because i didn't want to do anything <laughs> but i got into class and our teacher who was our math teacher he was teaching his class he came in. I remember he came in. He put his bag down. He had this record player. He put down this record and he started playing it. And it was Manhattan Transfer and singing Barkley Square. And I was just like, nice. what is this? And from there, it was just Miles Davis, full Thelonious Monk, George Benson. He, he just exposed me to so many different types of jazz music they even took us to um the no longer existing red parrot when it was around uh, right yes and i got to see george benson perform live and i was just like you know and it just so every time i listen to music so i, I remember when harry connick jr first came on the scene and it was just kind of like this move he kind of sparked this new movement back to listening to jazz and i i, I kind of wonder like as being so young in the industry um there you're you kind of are now one of the people leading the forefront of like you said getting younger people to to adopt this 
this art, this music, because I think it's it's jazz is kind of it just tells so many stories and there's so much history there. And, and so do you ever think about that? Like when you're creating music that your music is helping to inspire younger generations. That's exactly um, what I think about. Absolutely. I, I love that you, that you have like your, you know, your voice and your, your style of music is like you said, it, it, it's perfectly like right there in that middle where my mom, my would love you. She would love your your style of music. But my nephew, who is 25, 26, he would love your music. He 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 would love your music too. And, and to be able to bridge that gap is just an amazing feat. Difficult. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's difficult, especially now because the 25 year olds, all they want is TikTok. They think everything right. is right here. Right. This is the tempo where everything is. And I'm like, how do I write a song right here? Right. And it in, in, it's just, mm-mm. I'm not, I, I, I refuse to go that way. I'm not even. Thank you. Try. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, hell. Come to my side. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? To their roots, right? Because jazz is, exactly. the jazz is our roots, right? Yes. Um, and even in, you know, even in hip hop, it seemed like we've kind of lost the jazz part of hip hop, right? Which was an essence part of. There are some, you know, there are right. a few. I'm not yeah. gonna say we, it's completely gone, right. but right. the vast majority, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, definitely the ones that they promote, definitely ones that are mainstream. Right? And, you know, that's it's a whole nother conversation, right there. I think we all understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how so how do you think, or how do we? kind of bridge that gap like I mean so like for example I know you did Green Eyes which you know I had to, to be honest we had to go back to listen to her version because I was like no I think this is my favorite version right now like I don't like that I mean no, no I, like and I love it right so I mean it's like great 9 10 10.5 I mean so it's, it has nothing to do with I do not like her version yeah right. but I, I did love that version of that you did, right? So, um, but how do we kind of how do you do that? Or what are the kind of thoughts around bridging the gap or outreach or bringing the younger or inspiring younger yeah. younger art, um, music music artists to kind of um, adopt? Or, yeah, I think that um, a lot of the trends that are that are trendy are very. Uh, and I don't mean any disrespect to my black men because I love my brothers, mm. but I think that most of the trends that are trends now are they come from the black woman, mm. you know, um, twerking, even though it is a part of our culture without the name twerking, like that is something that has been done in Africa for years, and it's not, it, it's not right now, it, it is made as um, it's over sexualized, right. <laughs> Right. And there are women who do the same exact thing, but they have all of their clothes on right. and they're not, you know, they're not showing their butt, you know, right into someone's face. It's just to honor maybe their ancestors, to honor their God or their deity or to, you know, as a cultural celebration. Right. Um, the girl by the hey, you know, all the, the colloquialisms and and the things that we say, I mean. My mom would say, girl, bye, when I was like seven years old. You know what I mean? Girl, bye, get out of my room. I, I'm yeah, not yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, you guys are, 
it's it's mainly about uh, the black woman. And and what is so sad is that also our men are being extremely feminized in that way. And I don't mean that to disrespect anybody. I think their choice people can make whatever choices that they want. Right. But I think there is a is a clear agenda um out there to 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 demask to do to demasculize our our black men specifically mm-hmm. because you're not seeing a lot of white men doing a lot of the things that they have brothers out there doing in the right. industry. So I think I kind of have a one up in a sense that I'm a black woman. And so whatever I do is going to be trendy anyway. Um, And so I would like to just continue to be myself and what it is that I'm doing. And hopefully because I am a black woman, things will start to, you know, more attention will come. But I'm still going to hold down that truth, hold down the fort in that sense, keep writing my books, keep writing the music, keep educating, you know, and just continue because this is literally my gift. You know, I I have no idea what the creator has for me. Like I have my own plans and they sometimes work and they most of the time don't. (laughs) So I have no idea. I can say, man, I'm going to start a company and we're going to do this and do that. And then the most high may be like, yeah, you thought you was going to do that. So. You know, my plans are just to keep toward the mark, just keep pushing that positivity. Um, I have a group of women who I, I speak to very often and, and we kind of come together and pray together and things. Um, they always say to me, save the babies, Jazz, save the babies. You know, it just as a, as a mental reminder, like, remember who you're doing this for. Remember you are a child of the most high, but also remember that the babies need saving right now because all that they're seeing is, is is a lot of foolishness um and that's set up in a particular way for a reason so hopefully and it, it is not to say that i'm more holier than anybody yeah. absolutely not that is not what that's not what i mean by that i just mean that there has to be a balance somebody has to be out there to represent the culture and make sure that there's a positivity um a positive energy or a positive awakening going on and not just this we woke and we're going to do whatever we want to no free your mind and let your thoughts expand but also look to the promised land don't forget who you are um so that's pretty much, I mean, in a nutshell, how I plan on consistently continuing, you know, that positive streak out there. Just mm-hmm. my part. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this, one minute, I wanted to ask you about your uh, international vocal initiative. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? So um, the Jazz Horn International Vocal Initiative is something that I started writing. It actually is a curriculum that I started writing when I graduated um, college in 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like there was a lot of, I was very excited about going to school in New York. I was 17 years old when I moved here and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I saw so many different things, big culture shock, but I did not learn what I felt I needed to learn. When I graduated, I was like, okay, that's it. Like... (laughs) That's it. I was very upset. You know, I was like, man, I spent all this money. And most of the things that I learned was from being in the industry or learning from going to the elders or going to a jam session. And, you know, it wasn't from school. School taught me theory and how to be able to communicate with other musicians, utilizing that theory and that harmonization, but not necessarily uh, logic or um, marketing or, or metadata or 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 what a publicist does or i mean nothing that i need in the industry nothing that i actually need unless i would have declared myself as a business major then i didn't learn i didn't learn 
even the his, the jazz history, because we all know that in school, they don't really teach us black history, right? right? right. So it's the same way when you get to college. They don't teach you the real jazz history, the real black jazz history. They don't teach that either. Same. It's, it's so it's it was very disheartening for me. I will say that. So mm-hmm. I said, OK, what are the different things that you need as a vocalist? What is it that I need on the scene? What is it that has been personal to me that I really cannot live without? Then I went and talked to Diane Reeves and Dee Dee Bridgewater and Terry Lynn Carrington and um, Kurt Elling and Al Jarreau before he passed and John Hendricks before he passed and just sat and talked with these people and said, you know, what what do you do with this? What can you do with this? How do you do this? What Just asked a plethora of questions, right? Then I got all of this information together and created a book um, based on my own theories and my own interpretation of what it is that we need as vocalists. Um, And this is very a a holistic approach, you know, an eclectic approach to music versus, okay, here's some theory and harmony because I got to teach this system. No, it's like these are the tools that you can use that will that you can utilize to help you grow forward in your musicianship, in your artistry, in your company, looking at your as a company instead of as just a singer that is something that really helped me to just it was like a catalyst for me to really branch out into um my artistry as a ceo versus just as a singer Mm. right so that that's really what the book is i started the initiative because once i wrote the book about 30 people contacted me and said i want to study with you please and i said i can't fit 30 people into my schedule i only have three days out of the week that i devote to private lessons that would be 10 per 10 people a day a week that i i just I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I can't do that. Even though we are in a pandemic and, and my tour schedule has slowed down, I still won't be able to do an hour lesson. Like 10 yeah. hours in a day is not even, that's that's more than half the day for me. You know, 12 hours is when we're actually up. Those other 12 hours is when it's dark. So I'm like, y'all, I'm sorry. I can't do it. So I said, okay, well, what can I do? Like, what can I do? Because I don't want to leave these people out especially a lot of my sisters who really need this help. I don't want to leave them out. Like they're literally coming to me saying, okay, well, if I can't take a lesson with you, can I, can you give me um, some type of 20 minute um, lecture about all of these things? You know, can you give me a consultation? So I started giving consultations and in the consultations would try to be 20 minutes and they'd end up being 45 just because I'm a nice person. And if you ask me a question, I'm going to try, you know, to my best to get the answer out. So I said, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll create a class. I'll, I'll put something up on my website that says, if I start a class, would you take this class? Mm-hmm. 65 people immediately said yes. That by the next week, there were 190 people who were like, I want to take this class. Wow. By August, by the, I'm sorry, by the end of September, there were about 300 people who had 369 to be exact. 300. Yeah. 369 people signed up for my class. That's more days than in a year, right? That's more people than days in a year. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I worked it out. I, I made sure that three days out of the week, I had time to spend with these people and I put them in groups based upon where they are in the world. So at, at you know, like a 9 a.m. class, excuse me, was an afternoon class for London. So we had a London class. We had a class for Japan. We had a class um, for Europe. 
that was not in the UK. We had a class um, for California. Well, some of the students in California joined the people in London because I'm sorry, joined the people in New York. So we did a class at seven o'clock and, you know, those people joined because it was easier for them. So we based it on the time zone and all these people, we didn't get to all 300, but we got to about 220 people from August until last week, wow. <laughs> last week. And it was incredible. It was like nothing that I had ever experienced. Sometimes people would break out into cries. People would break out into prayers. It, it was just, I can't wait to do this in person. I, mm -hmm. I literally cannot wait to have like one summer dedicated to this jazz horn vocal initiative. I, I can't wait mm -hmm. because I, I even learned so much about myself and, and who I am as a person. I didn't plan on coming into this, this music as a healer per se. I planned on coming in here and just singing and then everybody just, if you get a healing good, if you don't, that's okay too. Right. <laughs> but specifically my England class, um, most of them were saying our culture is very misogynistic, but it's also um, very passive aggressive. We have to hold everything in. I'm sorry, one second. Girls, you're too loud. Can you please go back into your room? Thank you. Um, I would I would say that I would say 60 to 75% of them would break down mm -hmm. during the classes because the class, the book is entitled Strive From Within. It has six chapters. The first four chapters have to deal with story, song, stage, and style. Story, you are literally a storyteller as a vocalist. So you have to, you have to be equipped to be able to tell a story. The right. method assignment for that is to not forget the lyrics. That's one. And then song to really take that song and to make it your own. So now instead of like in school, they make you transcribe a melody. So you have to learn it, all these different musician solos. I make you transcribe a song. You literally have to transcribe the lyrics where you looking at them. It may say East of the sun and West of the moon. And you may say someday when we're deeply in love, right? Mm -hmm. You have to literally transcribe the story and you have to attach it to something that you've experienced, right? Mm -hmm. You have to put it in your personal writing. You have to write it in your own story. So basically you're reinterpreting the song, but I like to call it a story transcription. Mm -hmm. Then three stage. Um, the chapter is called my stage is my altar. So we really go to the altar. We go to the most high. And the way that I think of it is as a community, so there's a there's a trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we know without the father, without the the mother, you can't have the the son. So we need the Father, the Son, and the Mother. So I say Mother instead of Holy Spirit, which she, I mean, technically that's what it is anyway, right? So the Mother is the artist, whoever that artist is. If it's Johnny Gill, if it's um, Kurt Franklin, if, if it's whoever, if it's Ella Fitzgerald, that person, there's two ways to look at it. One, they're the CEO of the company, mm -hmm. but also they are the the grease that holds everything, the glue that holds everything together. OK, so as an artist, what do you need? How do you function on your stage, right on your altar? How right. do you function and still be able to give everybody else what they need. 
Mm-hmm. Meaning, do you have your music right? Is your sound check proper? Is your mic right? Is your Are your monitors right? Do you have everything you need in your dressing room? But that's just the artist part. As a CEO, how do you function and still be able to do everything that you need to do? Are your Is your merchandise ready? Have you ordered all of your merchandise? Do you know what it is that your crowd needs and your audience need? Who did you hire to help you sell your products? Who are those people that are helping you build your brand and sell your brand? Is your publicist on board? Is your booking agency on board? All of those things are necessary for both the artist and for the CEO. So that's just one. That's just the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then you get to the father. The people that you are hiring, those are your sellers. Those are going to help you to sell whatever your product is. If it's your t-shirt, if it's your album, if it's your voice, meaning if they're playing for you while you're on that stage, mm-hmm. are they doing what it is what it is that you need them to do to be able to sell your products and to sell your artistry? Otherwise, if they're not serving you, then you have to let them go and find a different father, figure out a different configuration. Mm-hmm. Then the son are the consumers or your audience members, are you well, are you taking care of them well? Are you, are you performing in a way that, that is relatable to them? Because they're not just, they're coming to see your show. So you're not just, oh, I got to do what I want to do. No, 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 no. You do what the most high has you to do, but you also do what is necessary for your audience. So you have to find a balance within that. So that's as an artist, but then it's also um, as the mother of the son, making sure that they're taken care of well. Um, is the sound too boisterous? If you hear people, people covering their ears then you as the mother you as that leader need to be able to control that band or control that entity and say i can't hire you guys if you're going to play too loud if you you know there's so many different aspects of the stage right so then that's that's my stage is my altar that's four then once you go into the last um of the four element they're called the four elements of focus so the last element is stay um is style so once you've gone inside once you've gone through all of these things and making sure that the story is in alignment, that the lyrics, you don't forget them, or if you're writing your own lyrics, if you're a singer-songwriter, that they make sense, like what you're saying is conveyed properly to your audience, then you can go on the outside. Once all that foundation has been built, then let's talk about your branding and your style. Who are you as an individual? What is your purpose? Um what do you want to offer to your audiences? What do you want people to know about you? How do you build that branding? Who do you have on your team to help you with your marketing? Mm-hmm. There's a, um, a figure in, in the book that's called, that I like to call the career wheel. And in that wheel, in the middle is the hub. That's the artist. The spokes are the different people on your team that you need to help you build your career. That's going to make that wheel go spinning. Right. Mm -hmm. So that might be your publicist, your lawyer, your accountant, your booking agency, your manager, your record company, or it may just be your family and your record company. You know, it's different for each audience. But the more spooks you have on that wheel, the faster that your career is going to go because you have a foundation. And that hub is what keeps all of that together. Right. Right. So that's an essential part of it as well. Once you have all four of those story, song, stage and style, then you can go over to improvisation. So this is when we start to talk about the the last two chapters um, are breathe, listen and speak and improvisation station. So breathe, listen and speak is where you do a harmony transcription. So you harmonize over a transcription that you already have transcribed Mm -hmm. and you do that so you can become one with the transcription in a different way, harmonically, rhythmically 
and vocabulary. If you're breathing with the person that you're playing with, you start to learn different breathing techniques because remember, it's not your solo, it's somebody else's solo. If you're harmonizing, you really start to understand chord changes in a different way, hearing it and not necessarily playing it or looking at it on a sheet of paper. It gets in you and you have no choice. If you are... um, scatting and the rhythm matches you start to learn fundamentally different rhythm patterns and you start to develop a different vocabulary so all three of those things are associated with this um, breathe listen and speak because you have to listen you have to breathe and when you speak you have to speak the exact same vocabulary otherwise it doesn't work and that's something that helps to build your your vocabulary and then the final chapter is improvisation station so i teach you how to look over chord changes and actually sing as a singer now now to as um a, a non-singing musician right not as a trumpet player not as a trombonist not as a pianist right. as a musician with this being all the frets and valves and keys that you're going to have right this is it your ears and your your voice that's it that's all you have i teach you how to look at those chords and utilize your ear and your voice to be able to improvise over whatever it is that you hear any type of changes wherever learning the root foundation of where those chords start learning how to understand upper extension triads and learning how to to understand what those chord progressions say if you see a flat half diminished well half do we know that there is no such thing as half diminished that's something that some white man made up because you can't split you can't split five into equal parts so half diminished you'd have to make it a six chord you'd have to make it six notes and that doesn't work we are we all know what the cycle of fourths or the cycle of fits are depend so you know like it's it really gets into the theory after you have gone through the process of getting to know yourself and knowing who you are as an art as an artist none of that stuff they taught me in school Right. Not none of it. Not not a one percent. So you know, it was very frustrating to go to school and come out and be like, okay, so what do I do? How do I market myself? How do I? What do I do? So I don't want people coming after me to feel that way. You know, if there is something that I can do to help them along the way, I I will. And so this is why I wrote the book, Strive From Within, because you have to go within. You have to go within yourself first to know what it is that you want to do and how to to, to um, live your true purpose in life, because everybody has a purpose. Mm. Right. So we are here at 12 million and our special guest today is Jasmia Horn, who just gave us a workshop. So so now everyone has to go buy the book. So that was a preview to the workshop, to the book. But now we got to go buy the book and support the sisters. So another question that I did have was your album titles, Mm -hmm. right? Where was the inspiration? And I know a lot of this is about responsibility and kind of your your responsibility that you feel not only to yourself but to your children and to the community did that play a part in the naming of your albums yes um i always go with the theme so whatever the last one was i kind of try to make that the sequel so for a social call we were talking about bringing awareness about social injustices that are happening not let's be social and have a couple tea no 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 (laughs) right so we got that part down now that we know what's happening let us do something about it so that's where love and liberation comes from you have to love yourself first before you can even be liberated and liberation is love so they coexist together um if you think about a social call 
bringing about that social awareness, that can only be done if you love your culture and your community and who you are as an individual shines through based upon how you thrive in your culture or your community, right? So community is very important with that. So um, that's kind of how, you know, it's important for me to make sure that those themes kind of match exactly what's happening in our society as well. And maybe there may be something that I need to share or something that could be done differently or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's honestly, I'm, I'm really just a vessel, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm coming up with this stuff on my own. You know, there is a, a force that is greater than all of us that is helping me with this um, or, or giving me, giving me this really. So I'm, I'm just trusting and keeping my faith to make sure that I'm doing what is right. You know, I, I want to make sure that I at least try to do what's right. Um, so I guess that that would be my answer is like, it's important to me, but it's also I'm, I'm following instructions. Um, so how so how how's how is um how, I, I i think we've asked each person to just come on the show this question we should just make it official how does how's covid impacted um you know, <laughs> what's been happening with you uh i mean i know you haven't gotten to get out on the road at all um have you gotten to do anything? Because uh, so I manage a music artist, and so everything you t- you said just a few minutes ago, I soaked all that in. I'm going re- I'm going to make him buy this book. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so he's been doing like every now and then he'll do like virtual performances on like Instagram or whatever. Have you gotten to like what what have you done to kind of? augment things or change things up during COVID? My school, (laughs) that's our international vocal initiative. I said, you know what? I'm not waiting on the record company. I'm not waiting on y'all to get this system together. I've got my fans. I've got my community. I've got my children to feed. I'm just going to do what is necessary for me to get by. And so when you have something that somebody needs, you know, and you're giving real information and you're not falsifying anything and you're sharing things that you have personally experienced, people want that. They feel like they need it. So I said, okay, help me with this most high. I want to actually write something that can really be helpful with, for people. I didn't think I was going to create an initiative. Remember my, my goal. And that's what I mean by following instructions. My goal was to write a book. (laughs) That was it. But then he sent all these people that were like, hey, can I study with you? And so now I'm like, okay, I wasn't, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a teacher, you know, you know, I I didn't feel that way. I just really wanted to help by you. You read the book and you go on your journey and you do your thing and that's cool. But then the most high said, actually, you're going to write it and you're going to teach it. So then that happened. But also COVID has affected me greatly in terms of, I get to stay home with the babies now. Mm-hmm. You know, True. I've been spending so much time with my girls and, you know, the only reason why they keep kind of coming in here, you know, tuning in is because I don't do interviews. I'm not even right now. I'm not even taking interviews because I don't have an album out. So when my album comes out, I, I do interviews or if it's for somebody that I really like or something that I really want to do. Otherwise I don't do it mm. because I don't right now. I feel like the creator has told in the entire planet to slow down mm-hmm. and just redo this whole thing. Let's just get, let's bring it back in. Right. right. 
So my bringing it back in has been my family. All right, cool. You know, and they were homeschooled even before the pandemic, but they had a homeschool teacher. So mm -hmm. now I'm doing all of the teaching and it's just allowed me to have a different kind of bond with them that I really missed by being on the road. Um, I'm gardening as well. I'm designing my own clothing line. There's so many different things that I'm involved in now that I didn't have an opportunity. And as a matter of fact, the, I started this book in 2013, 2014, and I didn't finish it until last year. So the fact that the, the pandemic came, it actually allowed me to finish the book. You know, it actually allowed me to do so many things. I took a vacation for the very first time. I had never taken a vacation in my life because I go everywhere anyway, but I don't actually go there and relax or get a massage or sit by the beach. I'm like, okay, sound check. All right, cool. Get dressed. All right, cool. Get the merchandise. All right. You know, it's very tedious. So I said, let's go somewhere for two weeks, girls, and let's just hang out. We went to Myrtle Beach for about two weeks and just relaxed in the sand mm -hmm. and sang to each other and cooked and had, you know, it was just nice to kind of be away from the crowded New York and the sounds and the vibration of the people here. It was just nice to be away from that. So this has actually been a very rewarding time for me. I'm grateful that I have a place to stay. I'm mm -hmm. grateful that my rent and things of that nature hasn't been impacted by COVID. I'm grateful that I have food to eat. I'm grateful that I'm, I have a community and family and that if I want to play music, sometimes I can still take little small streaming gigs here and there. If I want to, I'm, this is, I'm having the time of my life and I'm very, very, very thankful for this time. Mm. Yes. That is, that is, that is exactly how I feel. I mean, I think you had to look at this time as a way to kind of just take a minute back. And, and you know, there's everyone complains about being home. But to be honest, I have done more stuff. More for than yourself, me. too. For yeah. more self-care, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my, yes. Trust me, my sleep is like I, I used to never sleep. Now I'm like. I get plenty of sleep. I feel like the best I've felt in years. So I'm all with you on that. Yes. All right. That's beautiful. So an another question that we always ask our guests, as you know, the, the show is 12 million, which is inspired by Richard Wright's book, 12 million black voices. Ah, okay. So that's where the show comes from. So one of the things we always ask is, a, is there a book that inspires you or inspired you that you would love to recommend um, to our audience or to us as well? Yeah, because we, we do love these recommendation books. And, okay. Although I think she, I mean, technically she kind of recommended. Well, we definitely heard it. <laughs> I think I just, um, there's two books. I'm trying to, I'm looking around my room because there's one uh, in particular. Is this it? Give me a second. Mm -hmm. No, that's not it. Yeah, I oh, I just had it. I can't think of the title of, I think it's Man, Man That Not. Hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but just reading, I haven't finished it, but the first chapter alone made me cry. Um, I was reading it. Is this the book? No, it's not. I was reading it on, on the airplane on my way to, um, to Myrtle Beach, and the first chapter alone made me cry. I was like, I have to be in my home for this because I'm going to somebody up on the way back, back to New York. Um, that book, and then also um, 
the black destruct the the destruction of the black civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams. Not mm. only was the book inspiring for me, but the man wrote the book when he was blind. He spent the rest of his, the end of his life, you know, dedicating time to the book. There's a lot of stuff in the book that's very interesting. And there's a lot of stuff that was, that's very helpful. And there's a lot of stuff that you're like, okay, um, I'm going to have to do more, more research. But overall, it really helps me to understand history. It really helps me to understand, um, my heritage. Um, it just, it really has just, it it just yeah it just inspired me and I read I've read it maybe four times and I still feel like I didn't read it right it's a very yeah. difficult read um difficult in a sense that there are so it's historic it's like meaty it's real fat you know it's like a big old fat baseline you feel it and you're like oh you gotta you gotta feel it and then take some time you know so for me I did not read that book chapter by chapter I read it literally like half a chapter by half a chapter portion of the chapter because there's so much information um the first time i read it it took me about eight months to almost a year to actually finish it's very heavy it's extremely deep it's a lot of information um and then and then the last book i would say is the bible um but i would say you know not necessarily the king james version i really like the jerusalem bible Mm -hmm. um because it goes by the ancient text, the ancient Hebrew text, which is what our ancestors used, and not necessarily the Greek text, which is what we use today in the King James Version. Mm-hmm. So, and even if you have to get the Sefer, um, which is, you know, it, it is the Hebrew text. It actually is the Hebrew text if you have to get that. I think it's one of the, the greatest books um, ever put together. So I would say those three books. I, I know I have that book somewhere. <laughs> I can look it up. Man, not the man, not oh, what is it? Not man book title. The man not. Yes, thank yeah, okay. you. The man not. It is called the man not. Um, race clash. Race class genre and the dilemmas of black manhood i think so often in our lives we really um forget about our brothers you know there's a lot of stuff that black men have to go through that we kind of just put under the table and completely ignore it um and like i said the first chapter of the book made me just i just i just broke down i just broke down into tears because i was like i don't even and let me Tommy J. Curry. I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that I give his name credit. Tommy J. Curry, because he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, that book, thank you, Brother Curry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And 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 I really hope that more Black men read the book. And, and women. And women, because oftentimes we do our brothers so wrong. Um, and we don't acknowledge that. So I, you know, I would like to acknowledge that and just say that for the record. That's one of the most... That's that's a great book. It's it's really a great book. Um, so I would say those three. There's always three for me. I like that number. Um, yeah, there's always three. So so yeah. Well, we definitely thank you for that. But we definitely thank you for joining us. I mean, this has yes. been an honor for us. Honor. Uh, yes, tr- a true honor. So definitely keep up the great work. Uh, we look forward to your next album, but yep. we still want to enjoy the two that you have out, The Social Call and Love and Liberation. Thank you. Are out now. Um, 
So where can people find you? Like, so like on, on social, on your website? Or... Um, so yeah, I was going to thank you for the Instagram <laughs> tag there. Um, Instagram is my favorite place to communicate with people because it's super easy. So if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, you can go to my website and the email that's on my website is there. But I only spend a couple of times a week checking my emails because I have an assistant to actually do that for me. So if you feel like, Hey, I want to ask you about this specific question about how to utilize the voice, or I'm reading your book and page something, something looks very interesting to me. Can you explain it? Or I, I, you know, um, I like the way you've been praying on some of your live streams. And I saw that and I, I need prayer for my family or, you know, I just want to say I like what you do. Instagram would actually be the best place to reach me. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is is artistryofjazzhorn.com. You can actually find the book there and other things. And you can find out more information about the, the Jazz Horn International Vocal Initiative. Um and then, and then I hope to be performing sometime soon again. We have some dates booked in October, but they're not, they're international dates. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, my record is coming out at the end of September. Okay. This record is a big band record. So I'm really excited. Ooh. I've composed and arranged 95% of the things wow. um, on the record. There's only two standards and everything else is, is original compositions. So I'm really looking forward to this record. Um, there will be a lot more poetry. Um, when I was signed to the record labels, they really didn't like the poetry. Um, so I said, oh, I'm going to do my own thing now. Mm-hmm. I had my little book sponsor my next album. So this is going to be a self-release project. Mm, nice. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm ex- I'm so excited. I'm, I'm just over the moon for this project. So stay tuned. Well, in September, I can get it. I, when it comes, I can get it for myself for my birthday. Um, <laughs> that'll be my birthday present. What's your birthday? Uh, the 19th of September. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, so it's easy to remember. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being this. You're you're so wonderful, and yes, a wonderful spirit, wonderful, and we are. I am looking forward to when you have some dates here in the States when we can go and see you live perform. And actually, just before you go, uh, I have a friend who's in Japan who is on a radio uh, DJ on a radio station there who does hit, uh, R&B, jazz. And I sent her your your website. I was like, you need to listen to this. And so don't be surprised if she reaches out. Um, um that does it for us, I guess. Um, another mm-hmm. episode of 12 Million. Thank you, Jasmine, for being our guest today. Um, for those of you who are um, following us, you can follow us on Instagram at 12 Million Podcast. I am Darren Jenkins. I am Akbar Majid. And this was 12 Million. Thank you. Take care, everyone.